I want to bring myself to work, but I have all these things in the back of my head, like I'm sure you all do, of like, am I being judged? Am I coming across too much? Am I smiling too much? Am I just like being a weird Christian person or am I just being like normal Hayden? I've tried to do a better each job. Shopify was like my really first attempt to like, okay, I love Jesus and I'm in tech and I'm proud of it, you know? But I'm, I'm bringing myself to the table, right? Like anyone else is. Somebody has adopted a kid, they have a background with adoption that I don't have, right? Someone lives an LGBTQ plus lifestyle. They have a background that they're bringing to the table. Um, you know, I happen to be a Christian and like love Jesus and I'm bringing that to the table as like, you know, a part of my core identity. So, you know, I'm a craftsman of design because I want to glorify him, right? Um, and glorify, you know, things of God. Um, and I believe design is core to that, right? God is a designer, so. Welcome to WWJT. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined by three people today. It's it's a full band of brothers. I got Joel with me. Joel, what language can you code in, or multiple? I mean, not probably anything special. I mean, a little bit of Python to try and dabble more recently, but I went to school for C and C++. Okay. Okay. David Deepwell, you're joining us from Alberta, Ontario. No, Alberta, Canada. And you can code, can you? How's that going for you? Oh, it's going pretty well. Yeah. I've uh, started out with a uh, very scientific programming, classic thing like MATLAB, but shifted towards Python and some C as well. So, yeah, that's my, my experience. And uh, relevant to this podcast, talking about how to how do tech people build dating apps, um, you are both a user right now and a builder of tech because you use dating apps. Is that correct, David? Is 100% correct, yeah. Yeah. Are I you am, embarrassed I'm about on... this? Have you listened <laughs> to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago, like with Ruth, that you're not you're not so embarrassed anymore, hopefully? I did, though. That, that episode was really helpful. Um, but having talked with a few other people who have used apps, I think that the stigma around, oh, oh I'm on an online dating app, it's certainly going away. Mm-hmm. Totally. And Hayden Mills. Hayden, thank you from jo for joining us all the way from the U.S. Of course, you're in Canada. We used to hang out until you went back to your hometown um, in Indianapolis. Uh, what can you can you code? You're you're more on the product side. So you don't you but both. Tell us a little bit about your your tech background. I started uh, like everyone does in web design, right? And Photoshop and web design for websites at least so yeah html css i'm a wizard i can still do it flexbox come at me i got it uh, but anything other than that not for me anymore i spend my time in figma or a bunch of google docs yeah also and give I a could... shout out <laughs> i do want to make a shout out uh, that figma got acquired for 20 yes. billion which was huge so i'm sure all the designers are like am i gonna stay using figma what's gonna happen right so Absolutely. I am of the opinion that I think it was a neg net negative for the design community just because Figma was so like on a roll and like free for anyone in the world. And Adobe is not free for anyone in the world. So I hope it works out well and Figma stays the tool it is. But yeah, Joel, you're hitting a, you're hitting a, an open wound right now for designers because we're like 20 billion. That legitimizes all our crafts, um, you know, our design craft. But at the same time, 20 billion to sell out to Adobe is like... Yeah. you know we all left adobe products to use figma <laughs> yeah and, and they said they'll try and keep it separated but you know with like seeing yeah. how facebook acquired whatsapp and instagram we'll see how it all pans out yeah r.i.p but on to another one and so hayden you work at a company as a christian but 
and it's a it's one of the larger dating app companies. We won't go into it. You're not you're not advertising for that company here today. You're you're here to talk as Hayden Mills. Um, so, do you try to bring your Christian identity into the workplace? How does that happen? How do you think about that? I mean, this is a this is I could use help in the comments here, right? Like in the future when this is posted, because like this is the the problem for all of us, or like the big topic, right? Like how do we bring ourselves, our identities as Christians, to work? Um, I think we should. I think we're all in agreement with that. I think we should be, you know, who we are, no matter what where we're at. But let's get right into like the insecurities of it. Like being a Christian in tech right now is not popular. Um, and there's like a huge threat, at least in the, the mid, uh, Midwest where I live in Indianapolis of like pretty strong, you know, red states still. And so when you say you're a Christian, um, sometimes you get, you know, um, lumped in <laughs> with the Christian nationalists, I guess is the way, the proper way I'd say it. Um, so all that to say, yeah, it's like, I want to bring myself to work, but I have all these things in the back of my head. Like I'm sure you all do of like, am I being judged? Am I coming across too much? Am I smiling too much? Am I just like being a weird Christian person or am I just being like normal Hayden? And then all these questions come up around like, is it okay to cuss? Like, can I do X, Y, Z and get a beer after work with people? And is that okay? You know, like depending on where you come from with your Christian background, like you might have those questions too. Um, and yeah, I've wrestled through them all. I mean, this I could talk about just one question the whole time, right? Like I've tried to do a better each job. Shopify was like my really first attempt to like, okay, I love Jesus and I'm in tech and I'm proud of it, you know? So like anything from a sticker on my laptop was like, go Hayden, you're brave to, you know, put, you know, some kind of Christian, you know, something that says Jesus on your laptop, which is funny, right? Laughable all the way to like more serious stuff where we're sharing, um, you know, um, feedback on a, on a, on a feature. And there's like something, that I morally or ethically disagree with, you know, um, maybe not in that meeting, but in other um, situations, I can bring, I can bring it up and be like, Hey, like this just goes against who I am stripping X, Y, Z feature, or like maybe we can do it a different way. Um, and I, I'm not saying like the company should um, switch and follow me because I'm a Christian, right. Or like take my, take my advice as gospel ironically, but I'm, I'm bringing myself to, the table right like anyone else's you know people have um uh you know somebody has adopted a kid they have a background with adoption that i don't have right someone lives in lgbtq plus lifestyle they have a background that they're bringing to the table um you know i happen to be a christian and like love jesus and i'm bringing that to the table as like you know a part of my core identity so i could keep going on there but yeah it's been if i'm being 100 percent honest like the biggest struggle of my professional career and really like just like my social career for work it's like i love jesus you know it goes and you know ebbs and flows right like with any relationship with things that happen but i mean i'm dedicated to to uh you know making him known and like doing things um you know i'm a craftsman of design because i want to glorify him right um and glorify um you know things of god um and i believe design is core to that right god is a designer mm-hmm. Joel, do you resonate with that? Yeah, I think, um, and I think that's really why I'm more convicted about this podcast and like pushing on it is because we need to change the narrative. We need to change the direction um, around Christians and technology, especially considering how much more technology will be part of our lives going forward. Like if we think, Technology is part of our lives so much right now. It's only going to be, you know, increasing. So with that framing, at least for me, 
I feel the urgency of, of um, being out there, you know, advocating, trying to bring more myself to my workplace, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but also like doing things outside of, uh, of that as well. Mm-hmm. I like how you framed it though, Hayden, with this idea of like just bringing yourself to work just like anybody else's. Um, and it's in contrast to funny enough, Christian nationalism. Um, so there's a book right up here. It's called to change the world. It's about how you don't actually as a Christian try to change the world. Um, instead you try to be faithful to God and faithful to the people around you and you try to be present. So instead of being like reactive against, which would be one form of cultural engagement, you try to be faithfully present in the midst of whatever sphere you're in, whether you're with your wife, whether you're with your neighbors, whether you're with your workplace, you still try to be faithful to God, who is a designer. So that gives you freedom to design. And uh, you try to be present. You're not trying to be reactive against you know, and, and trying to be combative on every single issue. Um, exactly. When you, when we're like, when I'm being, I'll use my example, when I'm like being myself at work, um, I'm not giving out, you know, Bible tracts or like sharing verses of the day or like having the screensaver with Jesus loves you. You know, like there's nothing there. I'm actually remote. Like people can't see me. Right. So like, I have to be intentional about the relationships I build. I have about four times, five times a year. I go into the office in New York and was able to see people. Right. So talk about intention time. That's, you know, I'm trying to make those in more intentional, especially as I, you know, age more and realize that. But yeah, it's not a social justice thing. It's not like a, we're missional in the marketplace and like a, we got a tactics and we're trying to attack it either way, right? Like I've read books on that. I agree with some of that, but like really the thing that's worked for me from Shopify or from startups all the way till now, the company I work at is just being real with people, like Andrew said. And those times when you're Holy Spirit led and just like you're living with Jesus daily, you will hear from God when you need to do something. And um, I'll share one story just so I like it, it uh, cements it. I have two of them that come to mind. I'll share the one from back in the day, Andrew. You might have heard this one. There's a, a good friend of ours um, back in uh, Canada, Shopify. Uh, and he was uh, from a different country. You know, Canada is so welcoming, right? It's like beautiful to see um, all the people that come in for school and then stay and they're just, they're loved on, you know, in the United States is, is a little different, but um, you know, this person came like super talented, one of the best of the best engineers from wherever he was from. And uh, he was lonely, just like me. So we like kind of hit it off. We were working on the same team at Shopify um, and story goes on. Um, you know, we both were sad, but like one night I was at, the, the bougie Shopify offices, you know, with all the, the free food and stuff, just like playing video games on the couch. Cause like, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Right. I was a young college kid and I didn't know anyone else was still there. Um, but it was like one of those Holy spirit moments where I went back to my, um, cubicle on the you know, office little part that we organized that. And this man was still there. Um, like looking very distraught. Um, but also just kind of frustrated. And I knew him enough to know that he was frustrated and I could read this on him. Um, and, literally all I did was ask him, Hey, how are you doing? And he broke down and he was, you know, there at eight o'clock at night too. Right. And so he was lonely. I didn't know he was there. So we would have been hanging out if, if I would have known, but he was pretty down. Um, and turns out he was just like, you know, thinking about what if life wasn't worth it anymore. Um, and so Canada being the beautiful place that it is, you just walk into a place, you know, medical place and get help. Right. So, I mean, I went with him, he drove, like we sat in the, the place while he talked to a, I don't know, psychiatrist or doctor about like getting maybe some depression meds. 
and that was all him. Like, I just asked, how are you doing, man? And I was just a friend that like went with him to this place. Um, I really didn't even think about it as a Jesus thing until afterwards. I was like, well, that was a God thing like that. He set that up and we became even closer after that. And unfortunately didn't stay in touch after Canada, but like that was, that's a real concrete thing, right? Like he might not have like done anything. Um, you know, he might've just been sad another day. Right. Um, most likely, but what if, right. God was using someone like us, um, in that person's life at the right time. And so it's less about being missional or being strategic with things. It's just more about bringing yourself to work. And then kind of like you were saying, Andrew, being attuned to what God's saying, right. We call it the whole, the Holy spirit, right. Like that kind of conscious from God that like he gives us. So yeah, that's one story. It's cool. Like there's no mm-hmm. big, into it right but it's like that's why we're in tech right there to be you know ears up like hearts out and like listening you know for people that really need help and uh i'll say this in every job i've had a lot of times it's been me but um in every job i've had i've had someone that's really you know going through stuff and like my friendship or our friendship together really helps us go through so it becomes less about work and becomes more about friendship um and real friendship as like remote work um kind of forces us into more of these intentional conversations. So um, sorry to barge in there, but I wanted to share that because it's powerful no, and it's good. simple. It's so simple, right? It's like you drive a person to, you know, the hospital or whatever it is, care center. Um, and God, you know, bless that, right? Like, I, I, I don't know anything other than that. Did, did this person get saved? Maybe like, but I did my, like, I did my uh, calling or like what God had told me to do then. And I'm confident with it. Right. So I think we have all the, we all have those opportunities. However, I think the way we talk about it and, um, or at least the way I've read it in the past when I was studying this stuff is a lot of times we talk about it, like it's, it needs to be more than this, right. It needs to be a strategy or it needs to be pointed or you need to have all your stuff together, you know, and, and be the Christian, um, you know, superstar at work has nothing to do with that. So I, I know talking to you prior to this podcast, Hayden, that you, when you're trying to design and work as a product manager, you're not trying to influence the app to be more encouraging of hookup culture. Um, you're trying to build it for the sake of of love, for the sake sake of you know Christian fidelity and marriage. You know, for these these good and pure outcomes that technology can be used for. Um, so it's it's a question of okay, how do you how do you do that then? What does it look like? Um, and how do you form the user in positive ways? One of the things that, you know, when you think about technology, it's not simply good, bad, or neutral. You know, it it, it forms you. It has these different things that come along with it. When you're used to swiping right all the time, what does that do to you psychologically or swiping mm. left? You know, how does that form you? Um, David, you're, you're a couple months into using a dating app at this point. How have you found using dating apps? Well, you and I sat down and we created a Christian Mingle account together. Nice. Me, David, and a friend, we like, we're like, let's do this together. Just like Ruth talked about last episode. I helped write it, you know. Well, that was like two months ago, I think, or three months now. Yeah, so two to three months ago. Yeah. Um, you find it forming you in positive ways to be more Christ-like as you swipe right and swipe left and do all that kind of stuff. Like, how does the app form you? Uh, good question. I I certainly try not to rush through a decision. Uh, I've tried to limit my, the the number of people I end up talking to uh, yeah. because mm-hmm. I can't handle fifteen people having a conversation with that many people all at once. Yeah, I, I just don't want to do it. So, uh, so do you find it draining or energizing? 
or somewhere in the middle. There is certainly an aspect at the beginning of just like, oh, it's exciting. Who, who's uh, trying? Uh, who, who might I match with today, or, or who, <laughs> who's showing up, or who? Like, there's this newness to it, right? There's a bit of an excitement. Um, but at some point, there's certainly a draining aspect of like, oh, okay, well. I haven't been in it long enough to fully become jaded. Like uh, mm. I feel like a lot of people can get there. Um, yep. I haven't been around long enough to get to that point. So I wonder when you work at a tech company, is there frequent conversations about the ethics of the features that you build into the app? Like how do you evaluate whether, or is it all about the business outcome, <laughs> the product market fit, you know, there's there's conversations about building businesses that make money, um, but what about evaluating it from an ethical standpoint? And what does that does that happen? How does that happen? Um, Joel and I have talked about before that the sometimes the need of building a tech product is being first to market. It's about building quick and then seeing how it goes after you launch it. But that comes with an inherent danger of, oh, wait, the app can also do this and function as this in people's lives. Mm -hmm. You don't realize it until after it's being used for bullying or predatory behaviors or different things like that. So how do you, how do you, Joel Hayden, think about, you know, the ethics of building different features on the apps and how do you have those conversations? It's a great question. Joel, you want to take it first? Yeah, I mean, on my side, I think uh, where I work in like a bigger enterprise corporation, there are uh, ethics reviews, legal reviews before you launch. Um, but to be honest, it's it's typically not at the forefront of conversations. I think, um, you know, for Splunk, they sell to uh, the government a lot and the government has a lot more requirements on um, functionality that's needed, audits that's needed for them to purchase your product. So there is a lot more uh, legal and ethical kind of perspective that they ask for. But I think if you're going direct to consumer, oftentimes the consumer doesn't have this qualifying criteria. It's, do I do I want it? Does it seem interesting? Okay, cool. I'm going to try it. I'm going to get it. Um, so I think in many markets, those ethical considerations or legal considerations are skipped over um because it's extra cost and extra time to market i'll take like a zoomed out approach and just like be like all right i think 2000 to 2020 was like maybe one or two chapters of the internet um in my opinion i think we're just getting started david's like kind of shaking his head so maybe he has something else to say on this too but i think we're really early on um and my point to that is i think we all especially all of us assuming we're all the same age got online and we were super naive right we were like sharing photos selfies locate like not maybe not location but like you know instant messenger myspace like just new right no one knew what to expect this is the wild west um i think since then mature i don't think i know the internet's matured a lot right we're building huge applications on them like splunk and shopify plus and we're like people are running billion dollar businesses like figma right um on an internet um you know browser and a computer my point is um i think because it's so early on and this is my like my lay of it right so my opinion here i think it's so early on that um, a lot of the ethics and like the foundational like heart of uh the internet or of technology isn't there yet and i think we're going to be faced with 
now <laughs> AI, artificial intelligence. And I know this is a buzzword, right? But follow me. I mean, artificial intelligence has to be built by someone, right? Um, and it's made in the, its creator's image, just like everything else is um, in engineering. So AI, I think, is going to force slash is forcing us to have these conversations. So I think this podcast, these conversations and the answers to these are still yet to really be unravelable, kind of waiting on things to play out. But I think um, giving you a real world, like my experience with it is it depends. Um, it depends on where the life cycle of the company's at, right? If you're a startup, there's not a lot of time to have a lot of heart and ethos and think about the like, how is this going to impact people, you know, 10 years from now, because you're just trying to make it survive for the next year. Um, so I'll end with this quote. I think it's from Jurassic Park. It's like, it's, I'm not even gonna be able to quote it, but it's like, you know, basically the, the quote is like, Hey, we didn't even know what we were building. Um, it's become something we didn't even know it would become right. Somebody can throw it in there. You know, you read what others had done and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves. So you don't take any responsibility for it you stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh to accomplish something as fast as you could and before you even knew what you had you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and now you're selling it you want to sell it well i i don't think you're giving us our due credit our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before yeah yeah but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should and that's every time every place i've been in one way or the other, even up to today with the dating app, we'll release features and release things with good intentions um, and good, we're thinking good ethics or morals, right? And people just take it wrong. Um, it, it's a tool, right? At the end of the day, this this dating app is a tool. You're not supposed to live your life on it. We don't want you to actually be on it that long. Um, and so as soon as we can get you off and get to your, the real stuff, the connection in person, that's, that's it. But yeah, the stuff like this comes up every feature, right? Everything we ship, there's ethical, moral um, questions around it. Specifically when you get into love, it's, you know, there's like, we know, right? We can say the three types of uh, love, right? Agape, phileo, whatever, right? But like, this is the true love that David's seeking, that I was seeking, that Andrew was seeking, that you were seeking, Joel. Um, and, you know, apps are so playful and kind of just willy nilly, right? But like, I think we're getting into a, my point wrapping this back around to like, I think we're early in this is I think we're getting to some apps and I'd like to say, you know, uh, our app in this space and the dating app space is kind of leading the way, but I think we're getting to a place where we're, we're being more thoughtful and respectful about what someone is trying to use this tool for. And so in the past, we're trying to get everyone on Facebook, right. And build all these stupid farm bill games and all this stuff to keep people there. Um, I don't think people want to be online anymore. Actually, I can speak for myself. I don't, like actually kind of hate computers in a way now um, i have an ipad and just that's i don't want anything else right um because i'm like burnt out by it but i also designed for it and so i think there's like taking it back i think we're in the early stages of this and hopefully more companies will be forced to deal with this as tools become more just like all right david hayden joel andrew's looking for love let's do the best we can with helping them find love in the best way so david has the best match possible but after that let's just get out of the way like we made our money. We don't need David to stay on this app. We don't need his partner to be on the app anymore. Like peace out, have a good life. Right. And that feels good to me. So I know I went on a long rant here, but like the ethical stuff flows through it all. Right. As you know, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of different approaches that different dating apps take in order to connect you. So they might want to influence certain hookup or long-term marriage or things like that. What, what is this space? There's a lot of people doing a lot of different ethical things in dating space, right? Like I would say. Um, and there's some hardcore on the hookup side and then hardcore maybe on the 
the unique um, like niche spaces. So I would say in the middle, you have probably the, the most common ones, you know, like Bumble and, and Hinge probably in the middle there. On the other sides, I would say like you got like a, a Tinder or like a grinder or anything that's very um, hookup culture based, which is fine, but also um, very quick. You, know, you, you get conversation. The culture mm-hmm. on those apps is like, let's meet up. You know, let's like hang out and have fun. And then you have other apps. It sounds like David got on too on the other side of it, which is like Christian Mingle, or I want to make sure I mention this one because it's a really good Christian one um, that's young. It's called UY, Christian Dating and Friends. Maybe it's United Young, but there's apps like this, right? Where it's more for young Christians, 18 to 30 probably, um, where it's niche for Christians dating app, right? And so my point there, there's a whole scale of like, which markets do we serve? There's a farmers only, you know, one that's very niche. Um, but like the ethics, the morals all depend on which one you're trying to serve. It's just like, Hey, we're trusting you as a professional with your life. Here's a tool to hopefully help you find love in some way, meaningful way. And we can't to the algorithm thing. If you want to see some scary stuff, go to, um, you know, what's it, black mirror and look up all the dating, uh, dating, uh, topic ones they have black mirrors, like this Netflix documentary that was popular. Um, but they have one about dating and it's all about the algorithm, right? And, uh, if you go on Reddit and search any dating apps and go to the forums there, everyone is obsessed with the algorithm. I can tell you, I know enough about this space to say all across the board, the algorithm will not save you. The algorithm will not help you find love. The algorithm sometimes is actually against you. Um, you know, Andrew, to your point, right? Um, if there's one big segment and I'm not speaking for my company cause we don't do this, but there, if there's one big segment of people you want on your app. Um, what are you going to do to get them on the app? You're going to change the algorithm to get them to show more. Um, you're going to change the algorithm to make sure they show up um, at the right time to the right people to get that notification to keep them on the app. To kind of keep that addiction of, you know, that feel good thing that David said earlier of, oh, this person might love me, might like be attracted to me, might be my person, right? All those emotions can be manipulated with algorithms. And I'll probably leave it there actually, because it's um, about time. But like, yeah, algorithms are messy. <laughs> yeah. I know Facebook for a time, their algorithm for what you see in your newsfeed um, weighted angry responses more higher, highly than other types of responses. And they found that had a short-term increase in, in engagement, short-term yeah. increase in all this. But then over the years, they're like, oh, people don't like our app as much because everybody's angry and political and arguing about secondary yeah. issues. Maybe we should increase the family stuff. Um, this is according to a report in the Wall Street Journal. I know that some meta people have tried to argue against it, but there seems to be good <laughs> research behind it. Um, but same with the dating app, like that that algorithm can incentivize um, short-term increases in app use versus yep. long-term relationship, right? And so that's that's the whole, the whole complicated nature of AI. Yeah, there's so much more to this. We can talk about filtering algorithms for for hours right like or is it cool for people to to filter out black latino filipino people and just look for white people like i don't know i've got to fucking sorry i've got to figure that out (laughs) so like ship it right um so like it's stressful as you can see so like those things and monetizing those things when you put money and ethics and love together it gets really messy So we got to jump back into this conversation. This is a week later. I unfortunately joined the last call late. So Hayden had to leave because he had a hard stop. And so we we kind of got disconnected, but we're recording again, even though this is the same recording. Um, so let's let's continue. One of the things that I want us to figure out as we close off this podcast is using 
and we're not just using technology, is building technology. How do we design and build and work in tech? I have three ideas, all right? And I want you guys to tell me what you think of these three ideas and how you would apply them. So they're not revolutionary, they're kind of boring, but maybe you guys could add some flavor to them. So the first idea in how people should build tech is this. You should build tech, yes, and as you do that, love God and love people. I know it's I know it's obvious, but like on one hand, like really thinking about loving God as we're building tech is partially this like you create out of a reflection of the creator God, God being that inspiration, even taking inspiration from nature. And then loving people. I think Hayden, you had a lot of good stories to exemplify this of like, even though you're working on tech, you still have human beings in the room who have lives and who are going through things. So love God and love people as you build tech. You don't you don't stop doing that when you're coding. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, no, I think it resonates. I think the Bible says, you know, above all the commandments is this, you know, love the God, I love your God and I love your neighbor. Right. So I think you know, if you're taking that supreme commandment and just applying it into technology, it makes sense. Or building technology. Do you feel like you guys love God when you code? There's a there's a movie where there's the runner. I forget the name of the movie, but he he says, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And I've seen John Dyer. He's a Christian technologist. And he says, when I code, I feel God's pleasure. That's a chariots of fire reference, right? I think. Yeah, exactly. So do you guys feel like you can like code and work to the glory of God working unto God rather than men? Does it feel that way? I don't know. Just speaking for myself in the moment, I don't think, you know, I'm feeling like, Oh yeah, this is bringing God pleasure. But once we launch a product or launch a feature and it's like, oh, this has changed the way things work. This made a world, quote unquote, a better place, as we say in tech. Um, that's where I get that feeling of like, yeah, God is pleased. You know, I'm doing a good work. Keep doing the good work, right? I think part of it is just being, again, bringing yourself and your whole self to work, right? Um, it kind of maybe makes this like question a mute point. But what I'm saying is like, if you're loving God in every area of your life, you should love God while you're you know working. And that could look like praying before you go into a big meeting, um, you know, praying for your teammates. Um, also, sometimes I'll pray for <laughs> the future I'm building or something, right? Like God, you help this be used for good, like you're saying, <laughs> not for evil. Um Hey, sometimes you might show up to work and you might look the exact same as your neighbor. When Daniel was mm-hmm. working as, you know, the second in command in the government, he was yeah. probably doing a lot of decisions that didn't look explicitly God-fearing. They were just for the good of the nation. Um, same with Joseph, right? Like when he was designing irrigation canals, he was doing it just to do a great job. And yeah. even if it wasn't with a trademark TM christian on it it was still good work and so don't put so much pressure if you don't feel like you're explicitly christian all the time is is what i'm saying i think i'd add two kind of aspects to this one is uh how you glorify god and i think that can look many different ways but one is just uh like 
Hayden, you're saying, like bringing your full self. I'm thinking for myself when I'm in like a flow state. I don't know uh, if you're familiar with that when you're you're really engaged in the problem and you're so into it that like everything else kind of shuts off and time just flies by and you're so enthralled by that. I think God can find a little bit of like, oh yeah, look at you. You're totally engaged in what you're doing. You're having a great time. It's going well. Um, I think God can find um, pleasure in our enjoyment of our own work. Um, so that's one thing. The other is uh, the aspect of glorifying God. Like, am I specifically glorifying God while I'm thinking about being in that flow state? No, no, I'm in the flow state. So I, I, it's not like I have to be thinking God, but to have that also maybe when I come out or, or some point in the day, to have this reflection of, okay, God, are you in the work that I'm doing, right? Is the things that I'm building uh, glorifying unto you, right? Taking a little bit of extra break to say, all right, this is the feature I just made or the change I just made. Does this make things better? Instead of just like, oh, this is a thing we had to do, right? I had to do this. I had to get this done. Or in a meeting like Hayden talking about, uh, you're, you're always bumping up against people. And when you're interacting with people, there can be any number of relational if issues or conflicts or difficulties that are there and reminding yourself that, yeah, there are people not only in front of you when you're interacting in that environment in, in a meeting and, and the people and your, your colleagues, but also the people on the other side of the app as you're reflecting upon that. Yeah, to, to hit off that, David, anyone that's listening to this, uh, hopefully you don't get intimidated by, by what he's saying, because there's not this pressure to be any different at work. There's this pressure just to like love God and love people at work. Right. And it's going to look way different. Um, I can think I can think of a few like even in, even in my failure, like at work, God can use that for his glory. Right. Because Hayden's apologizing. Sorry, I missed the date. Hey, I forgot this in Figma. Hey, yeah, I'll get you this, you know, and I don't. Right. Like it doesn't have to be this perfect thing. If you're listening to this, it can it can be like the messiness of life, right? Like God is an interested and involved in every area of our life. Well, and that it leads right into the second idea that I was going to bring forward is this idea of working out of rest rather than for rest. So I think a lot of people think about work and they think about delayed gratification. I'm working for the weekend. But as a Christian in life, like when we think about working for that outcome, we we come to the table having already been promised the outcome regardless of our behavior. So this is the gospel. This is the message that Jesus came, lived the perfect life, died the death that we deserved, rose again so that we might receive his justification. Mm. That, that means we don't have to justify ourselves through our work product. We receive rest. We receive the reward regardless of the work we do like colossians 3:23 gets cited yes we should work hard work hard is how it begins but then it's sometimes we just stop there it's work hard unto the lord and not to men mm-hmm. what does it mean to work unto god well that means you're working for someone who's already given you a promise of rest so you work hard out of that rest rather than for that rest I'll go ahead and take myself out of this conversation. Like I don't do this well. I don't know if I have anything for this. Like I abuse my body. I abuse the work hours I have. Like, I don't know if I have any to toss in here other than real experiences of burnout, taking grasp of my life. But the one thing I will say is like, God 
continually tells us to remember, you know, the Sabbath and keep it holy. I've never done that. And I feel ashamed to admit that, but like, that's tech, go, 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 push, 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 level up, level up. And so everything kind of collides there, right? With, with the two ways you're talking about, there's a, there's a worldly view that's telling you, Hey, hustle, hustle, hustle. You'll get the money. You'll get what you want. You'll have the control. Um, and God's almost like give up all that control. Um, and I haven't done it very well. So I'll let, I'll let y'all talk about this one. I mean, it's the same on my end. And it's interesting because I feel like maybe tech compared to other um, areas actually try to give you more time. So where I work, we have a, an hour of day called power hour to like focus on doing physical activity. Um, we have once a month, like team building sessions, sessions, which is like going out with your team and having fun, which is a whole day. Right. Um, and then, you know, Google has 20% time where you work on your own, like special projects that you work. There are a lot of companies like try and give you all these perks on vacation. But I think often it's like a human nature is to be like, well, I'm just going to work like crazy. And like, I'm trying to delay this gratification so I can get to some goal, right? Something is on that throne that you're really like, well, once I get this, then I'll feel whole. And like, I'm going to delay taking care mm-hmm. of my body. I can delay my, you know, being there for my family or, or, or all of those things. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm with Hayden. I think a lot of people in tech, if you look at the numbers are in the same boat where even if the organization is saying one thing, a lot of people still, you know, I don't know if it's a, the culture of people around you because that you're like, well, so-and-so isn't taking a break. So maybe, you know, as a manager, you should be laying the example and being like, I'm going to take time off so that people working under me know that that's okay behavior. That's what we encourage, right? Yeah. It's not just talk the talk, it's walk the walk too. So maybe, you know, that's the takeaway um, that I need to be implementing more. Um, yeah. And it's definitely tough. It's a challenge. Yeah. Like you've all said, it, it's a challenge because you're butting up against the major culture of working hard and you hustle and get it done. Right. And you've got deadlines and there's always going to be deadlines and there's always going to be more things in that inbox and that to-do list. And so as much as we'd like to say, okay, well, it's, it's the, the work environment's fault. It's really the responsibilities right in front of you when you look at yourself in the mirror. Right. So the responsibility is on your own shoulders. Um, you can you can blame whatever you want, but you still you're waking up in the morning, you're going to sleep at night, you're you're doing everything in between. So uh yeah, you've got to decide how to actually act and live and then work well. And, and I think the big solution there is to remember that okay, well, I don't need to glorify my boss or my company or my salary. I'm, I'm doing all this in relation to God, right? And what does God care about? He doesn't care about how much work you did in a week. He doesn't care about the products you made. He cares about you as an individual. And, well, and so I, yeah. And so I don't think it's, it's wrong for someone, you know, to work 60 hours a week, nor is it wrong for someone to work 20 hours a week. It's going to look different for different people. You could work an 80 hour week and still be glorifying God. The point mm-hmm. is, are you working out of rest or are you working for rest? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think I work out of fear a lot. Um, fear of what other people are going to think of me. Um, you know, not online at a certain time. Uh, the company I work at now is really good about setting that example. So David, I've seen that hundred percent, you know, leaders that are listening to this podcast, like do that, like actually try to, um, lead by example with that, right? Hey, Slack's done after five. No one, you know, no one message. We can wait to the next day. Um, schedule your Slacks in advance. So posts, you know, mm-hmm. early in the morning, there's so many little hacks like that. Um, but the times I've had a healthy work life balance, they're very few, but the times I had, it's been triggered by a boss. It's just like, Hey, like, just stop, turn it off. Like you can do it tomorrow. Uh, that gives a lot of people like individual contributors, like myself, a lot of peace instead of the fear of gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. It's more of, okay, I can rest tonight, you know, hang out with my family, watch some TV and then come back, recharge the next day. Hopefully I've spent time with Jesus in the morning and like, boom, you know, that's idealistic, but man, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm addicted to my work too, as part of it, right? Like I really like this feedback loop of Hayden designs, Hayden gets feedback from internal Hayden eventually gets the, you know, see that in the real world. And then that just is addicting, you know, and it's purely out of like pride and sin on my part. Hmm. It's not easy. All right. So that, that was the second idea. Maybe we need to have a whole podcast just on that. Um, the third idea, this is a catch-all for everything. I, I loved what Hayden said earlier in this episode of bring your whole self to work. And so figuring out how to apply scripture, living out the first principles of scripture, you know, we need to do that. Like at the very foundational level of the moral law in scripture is the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And if you're designing a dating app, are you designing it to encourage thou shalt commit adultery or thou shalt not commit adultery? Oh, that's a little bit about me. I'm married. Okay. You're not allowed on the app would be how I'd kind of want to design it. Um, But, but seriously, like, like we need to have our moral framework be reading, studying scripture so that we bring our full selves and our moral ethics into the workplace, not as it's my way or the highway, but to develop our, to train our conscience, to, to understand where we're going to draw the line on things, um, whatever that might look like in whatever context we may work in. But love God, love people, work hard and rest well, specifically to, to work out of rest rather than for rest, and apply scripture and live out the first principles and bring your whole self to work. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is that as I've progressed in my career, I've become less fearful of others' approval and appreciation. And part of that is, you know, getting past the imposter syndrome and realizing that I add value. And what's that, what that has done, it's allowed me to maybe be more genuine, uh, be more authentic, right? And not be worried about raising an ethical or moral flag and people looking at me and being like, oh, that's a... Uh, you know, goody two shoes over there, right? He is like always concerned about these things. But now I that that thought doesn't come to mind, right? So, you know, the statement I would say is like, be confident and be bold, right? You know, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear um, and like understand, you know, who you're representing. So I think that those are key things to try and put into practice. Hmm. That's good. There we got it. Well, thank you. Everyone, thank you, you three dudes who are awesome dudes. Do people say dudes anymore? But thank you for for joining me and chatting this through with me. I I really enjoy 
just hanging out with you guys. It'd be fun for us to get together um, at some point if our worlds collided in such a way. But for now, we got to use technology and Zoom and podcasts. So um, thanks, Hayden. Thanks, David Deepwell. Um, and Joel, thank you as well for being my partner in this uh, whole ordeal. Um, this has been WWJT. We are here to help you use tech to find rest and to glorify God. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys. I got to go pick up my daughter. So I got to like jump right away. But you guys are awesome.